Hello, hello, beautiful people. Welcome to 321 No Kidding. Bobby the Awesome here. We are going to break into our third third episode of Recovering Couples with the feature of the Recovering Couples Anonymous book. And hopefully you are finding this helpful, at least to bring attention to what may or may not be going on in your relationship, if it's healthy or not healthy, and knowing that there's resources if you think it is unhealthy. And, you know, this really comes down to what do you want? I I was writing an email the other day, and in it, I talked about, like, one of the things that could make you successful in your recovery is that you get a divorce or break up. <laughs> And I don't mean that as harsh as it sounds, but unless both people are going to do the work and it's beneficial so that you can both live your best life, maybe you're not supposed to be together. I know that's a killer way to open the show (laughs) when I'm trying to talk about people working together, but it's just really important as you go into this that you're thinking about this from a place of it's really important to heal yourself and heal yourself first. Otherwise, you can't do any good to anybody else. That's how I need you to think about this. Well, not how I need you to, but what will best help you not gamble <laughs> is if your your relationship stress isn't adding to it. Now, don't get me wrong. When in the early stages and coming out and starting to tell the truth and get rid of the lies and admit to the damage, all of those things are going to create speed bumps. It's what you do from there. And I will tell you, it's possible. I mean, you guys met Wendy, geez, when we first started the show or early on in the show, you know, she survived her husband's gambling and relapses. And they just celebrated 15 years this week of being married. So I'm not saying that it can't be done. I just want you to Go into it knowing that I want what's best for you and I want you to want what's best for you. So here goes. Step two is where we left off in in the book. And step two is we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to commitment and intimacy. In step one, we admitted we're powerless over our relationship. Step two involves coming to mutual understanding of what we trust as a couple and what we believe. This is the beginning of a spiritual quest. And I feel like this is to have trust and to go forward with this or any step, the values need to align, or at least as a a whole, the values need to align. Because if one of you values the relationship, say, more than the other, or one may be very higher power and the other may not be higher power related or faith in any kind it may it might create some some struggle now if you can agree to disagree and i've been in relationships like that where i didn't necessarily have the same ideology around that. And we can make it work as long as we talk about it and be honest. So be thinking about that now, because this is a 12-step program that we're going over the book and the the literature. 
it's gonna it's gonna tell us that we should be thinking about the higher power and it it comes into play like here we here we go with some of the thoughts here willing to accept our higher power and and nurture our relationship with a sense of hope and freedom. The book suggests that writing step two is a good, useful tool too. <laughs> and it says that you should share one, one pencil and one piece of paper as you do the step. Well, that sounds like sharing. Here are some of the questions to kind of assist in in this process of working through step 12. And this is good. This gets into the nuts and bolts of what I'm talking about as far as finding out where your values are individually and together. So here goes. We're going to go into these questions. So again, think about this with your partner. Do it with one one pencil and piece of paper. (laughs) I like that. Number one, what family of origin messages about religion or spirituality have brought you into the coupleship? So that's your history. Like, where did your beliefs come from? When I was growing up, my my parents let us have a choice in what religion we wanted to be. Like, I remember going to a church when I was a really little girl because my neighbor went and they had one of those kid programs and... I got to be on the in the parade and I'm talking like six or seven years old, right? I think I was a primrose, which I didn't even know was a flower back then. And then when I was like 10 or 11, that's when I went to a Baptist church and got baptized. And that's where I lost all sense of having any interest in religion because when I went to go get baptized, the preacher didn't hold my nose. And I asked him to, I begged him to, and he held everybody else's nose. So that really pissed me off. And I boycotted church after that, which who did I hurt in that, right? Now today, my views are completely different, right? It, I can respect everybody's opinion on religion, where I used to think it was a big sham and a money-making thing. I just had my own crazy ideas. At any rate, I'm telling you this so that you can think about what is your history? What do your roots tell you about this? And, and where do you stand now? Number two, what kind of instruction, modeling, teaching, etc. about religion or spirituality have you experienced? I think I just answered that for me a little bit as I was telling you about number one. What forms of number three, what forms of spiritual guidance have you received from your parents? And like I said, we were given kind of a blank blank check. My mother's family was very Italian and my father's family was very Polish. So really, I should have been very Catholic, but it wasn't a practice. when I only got exposure to that at weddings and funerals, really. Number four, are there abuses or dysfunctional beliefs regarding couples you have learned from your religion? Ooh, that's a deep one. Abuses or dysfunctional beliefs regarding couples. The first thing that popped in my head is is um, the LGTB community. You know, if if they have a religion that's strict and and doesn't agree, and I'm not saying that's acceptable by any means. My opinion of this whole God stuff is it it doesn't really matter 
who or what you are. Like if, if the God is this nice guy that everybody paints it out, I think he'll be accepting of who and, and what. And there's also the school of thought in my brain that I feel like there's a Bible verse. Don't quote me on Bible stuff. But I feel like I've heard the whole concept of, you know, he created us and we're just a reflection of him. So he would have made people have whatever sexuality or or whatever characteristics. He would know that. He did that. Five. And again, I'm not preaching. I'm just kind of telling you my thoughts. <laughs> Five, are there healthy and supportive beliefs you have learned from your church, synagogue, or other spiritual path? So I think that the reason I like, now I know this, the reason I liked going to the non-denominational church, or maybe it was Christian, I don't know. That's how little I know, right? It's about the experience. I found that there was lessons. So those were healthy and supportive beliefs that I learned in that church. When I mentioned, uh, you know, like gay marriage or that kind of stuff, Pastor Buddy was down with that, it seems like, or he at least followed the acceptance principle. So that was one of the things that I learned. And he taught lessons and he understood real life. So that's what I've learned from my church. Are there spiritual abuses you have experienced. So this might be on the other side of it. I've never put myself in a situation personally where I've had the abuses because I've always distanced myself most of my life. Uh, But this may look different for every person. And I don't know what I don't know. So reminding myself that it's worldwide here, right? That there's a bunch of people listening from a bunch of different places, this may look very different for all of you. I only kind of know what I either lived or watched on TV. Number seven, are there examples of one of your parents being the higher power in your family of origin? Ooh, that's interesting. Again, I think of TV or the stories. I was in a group the other day where someone was talking about how her her father was, you know, it was always a surprise. Um, he was an alcoholic and they never knew what to expect. And that's someone who has the power. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I could see a situation like that being construed that way. Number eight, are there examples of clergy or religious teachers being unkind, shaming, blaming, or belittling? So to me, all right, so this is perfect. This explains my whole getting dunked in that in that baptism thing it, to me it was unkind and he didn't follow my wishes and that changed my relationship with the church for 30 years so do a little digging is there anything that stands out for you number 9 are you angry about religion god or your heritage i don't know if i was ever well i was angry about him dunking me but I don't know about in general. I I always just thought it was to each their own. Number 10, what do you accept or reject of the spiritual beliefs of your partner? So this is where we start getting into the togetherness work of this step. 
So the first thing is identifying what these beliefs are. So that's why it's good. And, you know, I think that maybe you, well, I guess maybe with this one piece of pen and paper, I'm picturing this playing out where maybe one person is the the writer downer. I don't think that's the scribe. How's that for more politically correct? The scribe. And you're asking these questions out loud and maybe talking about them and then journaling about them together. Because this would open a lot of dialogue, especially with a question like that. Do you accept or reject the spiritual beliefs of your partner? Here's the thing, guys. None of this works for the future or the present or anything if you're not honest. So you have to be really honest when you're talking about this. If something about, now I'm not saying honest and hurtful. I'm just saying honest and communicative. So if your partner has a belief that doesn't line up with yours, this is the point of going through recovery as a couple, right? To learn how to communicate that in a loving, kind, honest way but still respect the other person. Like we don't have to change other people. We obviously can't change other people, but it's just important that we honor and recognize their beliefs because we're not the end all be all. Now, if it's a deal breaker for you down the road, that's fine, but I wouldn't I wouldn't decide that on step two. I mean, unless it was something really outrageous and hurtful, you know, maybe, I don't know, the spouse worships bad things or voodoo or, well, and I don't know if voodoo is bad or not. See, I hate being uneducated about some of this stuff, but unless it caused harm, maybe if there was something like that and it was that extreme that you could be passionate about, but if it's just beliefs and and ideals, I, I feel like those could be worked through, but you have to be honest. And, and this whole thing is going to require some tough conversations I had to have a conversation the other day that I really didn't want to have, but I continue to have these difficult conversations with this friend because it 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 has to be this way. It has to be honest and open or the friendship's not going to work. And I could feel that feeling in my gut leading up to it. It's like, oh shit, I don't want to talk about this. Oh shit, I don't want to talk about this. Um, I got to talk to you about this and I'm uncomfortable talking to you about this. And then usually by the end of the conversation, um, it doesn't matter if we agree or disagree, but I usually feel better that the conversation has happened and my perspective has been out there. Now, there was ground rules set up in the beginning. Like, hey, if we are going to be friends, these are the expectations. We have to be honest. If, If I find out that you're lying about anything, I'm out. Like I'm out. That breaks my values. Um, this person's like broken my trust before. So it's really hard to rebuild trust and really hard to be comfortable. But that's why we needed to have these boundaries and parameters about how to proceed in the relationship that we're having now. So we'll see how that pans out. Number 11, describe your vision of your higher power. That That's a pretty interesting one. It could be as simple as that, right? Not even knowing what you think about this. Now, if, if that's the case, maybe the communication's more shut down than you even knew if you guys aren't having that conversation. 
Number 12, what would it be like to have a relationship with this higher power? Many of us have made made our partner our higher power. We focused on our partner and gave our power, our partner, the power to regulate our lives. Are Are you hearing this? So this is basically saying that the higher power in our lives where we put all the value where we thought had more who we thought had more strength and uh control maybe than us is our partner and it's it could be damaging when we are spiritually centered our partner's actions do not bother us nearly as much as when we are not Additionally, it may be helpful to remember HALT. I love this. If you're not familiar, um, HALT is indicators or could be triggers or could just make us more vulnerable to going back out to bed or drink or do the thing. And HALT stands for hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And if you're those things, you can lose touch with your spiritual center, as the book says, or basically let your defensives down when it comes to a relapse or in this case, a fight with the partner. We need to return to our spiritual center rather than fight with our partner. So I think that the reason they get so into this higher power stuff and and sharing it and understanding it is because it's the foundation. And if you're viewing each other as higher power or you're not aligned or there's, I don't know, deal breakers is the word I use, or you're not talking about it or you're off center spiritually, what if you guys were on two different pages and that made you be off kilter because you kind of want to, you know, maybe you're a people pleaser or they said to not use that word codependent anymore. Um, But let's say you're a people pleaser and you're losing your spiritual center because you're trying to support your spouses. That's why I said in the beginning of the show, it's important that you take care of you first. Like you, you just have to, otherwise you'll never live a happy, fulfilled life. It would be like stuffing your own spirituality so far down in the bucket and and scooping your person's beliefs or stuff on top of it and like never never getting to the bottom of it never being able to dig it out and and you really need to have it accessible in your positive bucket and feel good about it not feel shame not feel disagreement not feel that icky feeling in our guts when there's disagreement, especially on such a level. And if you're doing this with your partner, that's your important person. So you have to be candid. You have to get through this. Or maybe they shouldn't be your person. And I know I keep going back to that. And I feel I feel a little bad saying it, but it's the truth. Because you're we're not maybe, just maybe People come into our lives for periods of time and they serve their purpose and then it's on to the next. Now, my belief is 
That is my belief, actually, by the way, is that different people come to our lives at different times. And there's a reason they're in our lives at those times, but there might also be reasons that they shouldn't be in our lives beyond that time. And this is this is part of why I treasure my relationships with exes, for example, or why I keep in touch with friends that I've had along the way. Now, maybe I don't hang out 24-7 with the same people I did 20 years ago, but I appreciate the connection and staying in touch. And then there's people I don't stay in touch with anymore because they're not good for my values or who I am today. It's not... It's not a good way to take care of myself by having some people in my lives. And it just is. But again, we have to take care of ourselves first. So continue to remember that. The next time we will do step, what will we do? Step three, the next time we're together and we'll do some more digging. I appreciate you being here. I can tell by the number of downloads that this is an important topic to you guys. So I'm not gonna rush this. We'll do it in bite-sized chunks by the step study in the book and um, learn about this stuff together from the Recovering Couples Anonymous book as well as I'm happy to share my while I was gambling and post-gambling relationship stuff because it's it's ever evolving and it's going to be different for everyone in every relationship but hopefully I can help some of that All right, beautiful people. Until next time, thank you.